0: So, as they're rolling out, you can um, see in your bulletins or those of you who follow along in your Bibles, we'll be reading this longer passages from John chapter 14 and 15. Those of you involved in community groups will know that you've probably been having some challenging conversations because they just happen when you are um, with other brothers and sisters in the faith and talking about God's Word. And uh, we've talked about some crazy stuff in in our community groups and tough theological things. And um, many of you know that last Sunday was Trinity Sunday. And uh, one of the toughest theological things to figure out and to hear is is to understand this concept of the Trinity. And um, you'll see it all through these scriptures here that I read. You'll hear that God provides help in the form of the Holy Spirit Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will keep him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper If you love me, you will have rejoiced because I am going to the father for the father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He no he has no claim on me, but I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. Rise, let us go from here. And they will do these things because they have not known the father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord for God's people.
1: I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And. Um... <clears throat> still in the middle of trying to get my house ready to move. And I was thinking about this yesterday as I was moving some stuff from storage to another storage. You know how you do that when you move all kind of crazy stuff. And yesterday, wasn't two men in the truck. It was one man in the minivan. I wanted to say that joke so bad. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the sermon this morning. I just... <laughs> yesterday, I was walking around thinking I could be a stand-up comedian, but I, I better stick to what God told me to do. Amen. I thought you wanted to be rich. I could be the next Chris Rock, the Christian Chris Rock. No? Okay. So, as we continue here in the Bible book of John, Jesus keeps going with this talk of leaving, leaving his disciples. And at the beginning of chapter 14, he tells them to let not your hearts be troubled. And then in our reading this morning, in verse 27 through 30, in chapter 14, he says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. There it is again, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you that I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. He not only wants them to not be upset at his leaving, but he wants them to rejoice in it, to be happy about it. But why? Because if he goes to the cross away from them and gets buried and he gets arrested and goes to the cross and gets buried and then rises from the dead as he talks about returning to them, I think immediately he's talking about his death, then resurrection, and then his return to the disciples. Then that will mean that he has fulfilled his job. That he has won redemption for them. They have a place in God's kingdom and he has pleased Father God and finished what was necessary for salvation. So they should rejoice about him going away. But it would just be the beginning for these followers of Jesus. Because Jesus promised that greater things they would do and by extension greater would they experience than they did or could with him being around them bodily. But how is this possible? They must be thinking, if Jesus leaves, this thing we have been doing for three years is a rap, man. No lead singer, no band. But Jesus has a plan. They could not have possibly completely understood, but did and would experience the promise of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, the, the third person in the Trinity, would come only after Jesus came back, like a, almost like a mail in refund. Jesus goes away and the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus calls him the Helper, capital H. And this divine Helper will help by communicating to his followers and comforting his followers. Communicating and comforting. So Jesus, knowing what is in store for his disciples, calls them to rejoice not only what he has done for them, but what his death on the cross will mean for them and how his death and resurrection will send them the promised helper and communicate, this promised helper will communicate to them all that he, Jesus, has earned for them. But in fairness to the disciples, you know what this is like? This is like me telling my boys... That they should be happy if I'm going to die. They should be looking forward to my death because I am going to die and no longer be with them. But that they will get all that I work for. They will inherit it. They will get the insurance policy money. And and from that cash, they can get all the toys they want and possibly get a jump start on college. To be excited that I will no longer be with them. Because when I die and go away, they will inherit All that I have, because I am and have gone away, it's it's yours, boys. Be excited at my death. Be excited at the prospect of my death. This is what Jesus is telling the disciples. My dad and I have this joke that goes on, and I'll call him on the phone. Hey, daddy, he says, what you calling for? I ain't dead yet. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? The house is still mine. The insurance is still mine. And I'm thinking, and I'll joke back and say, man, what are you still doing alive? I'm going to wait for that, you know, that uh, vacation home in Charleston, right? But all jokes aside... There is no rejoicing at the funeral of a loved one who's gone away, regardless of how much they say they will leave behind. And yet on the surface, it appears that this is what Jesus is doing and saying he's doing. He is going to die so that his followers can receive all that the Father has for them. We should feel very similar if you are a believer. Your Lord, get this, your Lord. Our Lord Jesus left us down here, man. He died, rose, and went up into the heavens. And he has a nerve to say that he is with us and lives in us. How can this be? And how can we make sense and, and take assurance in a religion with an invisible but always present Savior? How can we get truth when there is no empirical, touchable Jesus except this biblical report that the disciples saw and left? And, and Jesus doubles up on the necessity of his going away in chapter 16, verse 4 and 7. Look at it with me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Now get this, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask, where am I going? Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Advantage? Advantage that Jesus leaves his disciples? It leaves the church that, that is now? That there's no Jesus walking around? Advantage? What advantage? Think about this for a minute, church folk and skeptics. I'm going to put our faith out on a limb. Okay? Most of us Christians here, trust me, I did some of your new member interviews. Most of you Christians here, Me included. If I get interviewed, I won't be able to spout out the whole Bible. Most of our Christians here don't know all of the why or how we came to believe what we believe or all how what is to believe has worked to save us. If we were to get an exam, why do you believe? You know, we just know that what we saw or saw has made us believe in a Savior that we have never seen and only heard or read about, but follow and run our lives after. Now, that is some serious foolishness. Christianity to the world is a foolish religion. I trust Jesus. Where is he? He went up into heaven's bodily, but he lives in me. Think about what some of you say. No wonder your friends look at you like you crazy, man. Get in line with the rest of the metaphysical people. But before you go agnostic on me, that is actually proof of Jesus' work and promise that the Holy Spirit would come and has communicated the gospel. And when I say gospel, I am talking about the person, purpose, and plan of God to save the world and get glory from it. All of the spiritual ha- happenings. Let's call that gospel the living will of God that was finally and fully revealed when Jesus died. And now th- that living will is being communicated to human beings through the Holy Spirit. In that will is God's desire for you. In that will is God's inheritance for you. In that will is God's power and glory and love for you. Did you know that that word for Holy Spirit helper in Scripture means advocate? It comes from the Greek word and term for a family lawyer. But let's be careful about what it means, what we mean by family lawyer. This is a divine lawyer from the divine community of the Godhead. He is not put on retainer by us. The Holy Spirit is not retained. But remains God to God to like a divine lawyer take the will of God, written, then walked out in flesh in Jesus, and then accomplished by the death and resurrection of Jesus, and he communicates that to his adopted people, his family, his church. This is what God has for you. Jesus said it here in verse 25 and 26 in chapter 15. Read with wait a minute. That couldn't be right. 25 and 26 of chapter 14. He says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm with, still with you. But the helper, the advocate, the, the, the family lawyer, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to, you, bring, you, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then chapter 16, if you jump over, in verse 8, this is a little longer reading, he says this, and when he comes, that's the helper, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you. Hear this now. He's about to leave, but he's saying I have still more to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Remember, like the will of the family lawyer. He, for He will speak, not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Hope is beginning to connect for you. How the Holy Spirit is the advocate, how He's the divine lawyer. Jesus saying to his disciples who will be apostles and write scripture, that the spirit will come and help you remember and communicate. Translate is a good word. All that I said and did and recorded in the scripture. Because, because y'all, let me tell you, these disciples who would be apostles, who would write the words of the New Testament in the gospel, even this gospel of John, are simply hanging on Jesus's every word. Let me tell you, they're like me and you. They are forgetting stuff. They can't remember all Jesus said. You ever wonder how this Bible is put together and interpreted perfectly? They, they couldn't remember. They don't even understand what the man is saying. They don't get it. He's going away. Can we go with you? No, you can't go with me. Why, Lord? Then they come back. Can we go again with you? And then Peter acts up and he brings a sword out. Lord, let's fight. Let's go to the kingdom palace. Let's, let's, let's get out of here. They don't get it. You didn't want those men at that moment with Jesus before he went away to write the Bible, or we'd have a bunch of messed up junk. It'll sound like you and me writing the Bible. You don't want me writing the Bible. Now, this is peculiar to the apostles. It, it, you know, and so, but the Holy Spirit will, the, the Holy Eternal explains it to him. He translate the will, translates the will of God, the gospel to and in them. And for those of us who are not apostles, it means that God will take what the apostles wrote. Hear me now. He's going to take the Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament, and translate it. Now, when I say translate, I'm not talking about Hebrew and Greek to English or Aramaic to English. It is more supernatural than that. Anybody can, you know, any great scholar could translate Greek and Hebrew to English. What I am talking about is the Holy Spirit will translate what we read God did for us and who he is and who we are and translate it as truth to us as we can hear spiritual truths that's divine truth as a human that fallen beings can can hear what this bible says is more than a story and and hear the gospel is more than a bunch of linked together stories of a holy man who came but the holy spirit actually takes this To everybody else now, to to normal people who read it, a foolish story, maybe a good story or a bedtime story or a moral story, and the Holy Spirit takes what we read, believers, and he translates that as truth to us. Reading and hearing the gospel and believing it, Is a supernatural thing that only God the Holy Spirit can do in you. It is like the Holy Spirit gives us a holy hallucination. Where believers can see and sense God's truth in a, word, in a way the world can't see or accept it as, as reality truth. truth. You, you remember it was real popular back in the day to have those books where you had to kind of cross your eyes. It looks like a, a flock of geese going by or something like that. Or you've seen a little Christian one where it's, it's a little block and it's really Jesus' name, but you look at it and it just looks like a bunch of sticks on a piece of wood. And then if you look at it hard enough, like you actually kind of let yourself go a little dizzy, that says Jesus. And I remember we used to pay, play a trick. If you can't see Jesus, you ain't saved. You know, something stupid. Oh, they had whole books out of them. Where you look like, what is that? And, then you, and the next thing you know, oh my gosh, it's Mickey Mouse or something like that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He is that thing. You know, you look at this page. And let me tell you, if you look at the Bible just for the Bible's sake and you're not a believer, sometimes it's like, what is that? And the Holy Spirit takes it and boom, What? It's life. It's the gospel. It's truth. And you go crazy and foolish in the minds of the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in the message. I'm loving the message lately. Says this, no one's ever seen or heard anything like this. He's talking about the gospel, what God has arranged for those who love Him. But you've seen and heard it because God, by His Spirit, has brought it all out into the open before you. The Spirit, not content to fl- flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning, except you yourself, the same with God, except that He not only knows what He's thinking, but He lets us in on it. God offers a full report of the gifts of life and salvation that he is giving us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God who taught us person to person through Jesus, and we're passing it on to you in the same firsthand person way. He's talking about the apostolic thing. The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't, hear this, can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can be known only by Spirit. God's Spirit and our spirits... In open communion, spiritually alive, he's saying, believers have access access to everything God's Spirit is doing and saying. But not only translate the truth of the gospel, but transmit it. He can only make it, he can make it come into and be a part of our real moral and spiritual situation between us and God. He can make the gospel, hear this, that we have accepted as true, be real and true in us. He takes what Jesus did on the cross and applies it to us. Look at verse 27 in chapter 14 again. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, again, this word advocate. Um, You know, when you have um, negotiations, a lawyer comes in and he makes the deal. He makes it fit. He sets up the paperwork. Somebody comes out gaining. Someone comes out possibly losing. Someone comes out giving. Somebody comes out receiving. There is a a, a transaction that takes place. He is the one who's the advocate of God for us, who made the peace between us and God through the blood of Jesus. So Jesus died. And, you know, this historical event of his blood being spilled and the Holy Spirit takes that historical happening that that blood really did flow in and holes really were in his fingers. And for believers who believe the truth and they believe because the spirit helps to believe that Thing that happened on the cross 2,000 years ago, it actually works for us. How does it work? It's the Spirit who makes Jesus live in our hearts. He makes us regenerate. He, it is the Spirit who actually rebirths us. You know, people talk about born-again Christians, where you're only born again if the Spirit takes you, your soul, what God has done in the gospel, and in the spiritual world, he, he combines it and out comes a new you. That is, that is why Jesus says it is to our advantage that he goes. It is the Spirit who will take what he did and make it make people reborn. It is God, the Holy Spirit, who turns haters of God into lovers of God. He talks about if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. It is the Holy Spirit who, 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 who turns those who could, who, could bear, who could not bear the truth uh, into bearers of the truth and, and, and now doers and lovers of the gospel through the transmission of the gospel to their heart. Fact, Jesus says this in verse 20, And that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you and me, and I and you, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it he it is who loves me. And he loves me, will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. It's a spirit. That makes believers love God, that, that creates this love relationship, who seals it, who who makes it true and right. And so we can look at the historical Jesus in the scriptures or or any kind of you know thing you see on NASA geographic. Well, the historical Jesus walked back here, and, and this non biblical account says this about him. And there was this man named Jesus who died on the cross, just a common thief. And you can look at that stuff. And it's not just in history it now, because of the Spirit, becomes living faith and living truth and rebirthing reality for you and me. Simply put, the Spirit makes people believe, and then he makes them believers. People who want to and are able to live the faith. So that means that the gospel and believers' belief in it and change to it is God's work and not something that we can get to or, or miss intellectually or emotionally, or that we can earn or sit in the class and get. It is God the Spirit taking a Jesus who once lived and died and did his thing and then rose and went up to heaven and makes it make us believe and then turns us into believers and children of God. Children of God. And you think, so what, right? Great, great is the salvation of the Lord. If you are a believer or will be one, this is the witness and work of the Lord God, the Godhead. You and I are invited and made able to commune with God as his child because the Holy Spirit is doing his thing in your life. But not only did he promise a Holy Spirit who communicate the gospel, but a Holy Spirit who provide comfort for us in this kind of world. By being God's spirit with his people, and keeping his people with him in this world. The promise of the Holy Spirit is the promise that, that though Jesus bodily goes, that, that through the Spirit he will live in them and thus be with them and us always. Look at verse 16 through 18 with me again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you. Jesus was their helper when he was here. And he's going to give him another one, even a spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then verses 26 through 27 in chapter 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth will proceed from the Father. He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And then in chapter 16, it says this, beginning at verse 4. But I've said these things that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asked, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 12, I I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak with his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, and all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You know, i said this already, but Christians always talk about Jesus being in them. Jesus lives in my heart. Do you do, 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 do you want to ask Jesus to come in your heart? What's that mean, man? I don't see him. How are you going to fit in? You know, it's almost like Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you, you must be born again. How can a man be born again? Can he enter his mom's womb and be come out again as a new man? We say these things and we really don't know how it happens. Jesus lives in my heart. How? Last time, Hey, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but the last time I saw his body went up into heaven. How he living in your heart? How he living in your heart not living in somebody else's heart? All these Christians talking about Jesus in their heart and only one bodily Jesus in heaven. What happened? Basically, the Holy Spirit in perfect communion with the Father and the Son will like the Son did for the Father on earth. When Jesus says that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, so that when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have Jesus too. It's hard for us to understand. Because our relationships don't work like this. They're not divine. And like Dee said earlier, we're struggling with this idea of the Trinity. But the Trinity is such a perfect relationship as one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you can't have one communicate himself without bringing the character and reason and purpose and plan of the other parts of the Trinity. So when Jesus comes, he says, you can't have me without having a Father. And when I'm around, the Spirit's with you too. And so when the Spirit comes in you, you know me, and if you know me, you know the Father. The Spirit will perfectly communicate the Son, so much so that you truly do have Jesus living in your heart if the Spirit lives in there. Here's a great and greater comfort of that. If the Spirit lives in you, as he must, every believer to be a believer. Now, don't believe this stuff. I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud. Don't believe this stuff about the second blessing of the Holy Spirit. I'm saved, but now I got to receive the Spirit. You can't be saved if you don't receive the Spirit. So when people say, well, you need a second blessing, got to speak in tongues and all that, and I'm not dogging tongues. That ain't what I'm doing. But if there's a second blessing of the Holy Spirit, there's a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. And I've experienced about 20. Because the Spirit lives in me the day I come to Christ. And he may manifest himself in different ways. You feel yourself growing and you see things happening. It's not because you didn't have the Spirit and now you got to pray and tarry and somebody got to touch your mouth or you got to fall on the ground for the Spirit to come in you. It's more... Supernatural than that. If, you, if the Spirit lives in you as He must, every believer to be a believer, then in this world you are never without God. You are never alone. In fact, here's the message again. I like this stuff, man. David in Psalm 139 says, I look behind me, you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. You're reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much and this is too wonderful. And David had no idea how wonderful because he never imagined that God would come live in his heart like we get it now through the Holy Spirit. I can't take it all in. He says, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western, horizon you'd find me in a minute you're already there waiting then i said to myself oh he even sees me in the dark at night i'm immersed in a light and it's a fact darkness is a dark to you night and day darkness and light they're all the same to you you are with me and the reason you can't go anywhere from a spirit believers is because the spirit lives in you that's what you don't understand i'm going away from god he's there because you're there some of y'all think you're running from god I'm running from God. He right there. When you showed up, he was already there. But Jesus promised you something else that we will need comfort for and from that won't have to, won't make you have to go in the dark like the psalmist says. Those living in this world with the light of Jesus are already in the dark. And the dark will find you And try to snuff out the light in you, even though it can't. It'll try. You know what trying to snuff out the light is in a life of a believer? It's called suffering. It's called persecution. It is modern-day martyrdom. And I know that you won't experience everything. The apostle said, no, you're not going to the lions. But let me tell you, for Americans, it's worse. Because being a Christian might be God taking away your buying power we don't want that being a believer might mean your friends come over like where's your stuff where's your big house what's going on we are about something different than just getting a bunch of stuff you will feel like a fool because you know one thing i love about christianity you can be poor you can have no credit you can have bad credit you need to work with the deacons to get that better. That's okay. You can have bad credit. You can have debt. You can, you can not be popular. You can be ugly. You can, you can have too much to eat. You can do whatever. Let me tell you, you, can, you still say, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, and that's what my life about. And when the world sees that, they're like, that is stupid, man. We come to school like the nerdy kid. Christians are nerds. And the world's the bully. And they look good. And they're attractive. And guess what? As a Christian, sometimes they're attractive to me. I want to be in the in crowd. Somebody please. And man, Charlotte, and I've said this so many times, Charlotte is great. You know why? Because you can be a Christian and beautiful. And so now I'm just mad at rich Christians or good-looking Christians or plastic surgery Christians I'm going to stop right there cuz we need some rich Christians at Christ Central because the poor ones joining at an alarming rate But God's good. It's a joke. God's good. <laughs> Look with me, if you can, at verse, at verse 15 through 17 in chapter 14. It says, I lo- if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. And then look at verse 27 in chapter 15 going forward. And yet also he will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. What is Jesus preparing us for? And we'll talk about it more next week. World hatred. The Holy Spirit that lives in you, that testifies and glorifies Jesus, radiates with a truth— in the way His people love Him, in the way His people are led and changed by the Spirit to follow Him and talk about Him and live like this invisible God is true, the Holy Spirit makes Jesus ooze out of and in your life in what the world sees as a holy hallucination. And when the Spirit lives in and through your life, even in the way you and I suffer, trusting God and saying no to things and all of that, and yes to other things, and that w- the way we follow the commandments and say no to sin and yes to God's glory and gospel, the Bible says that the Spirit in your life will use it to bear witness to sin and to righteous in the face of an unbelieving world so that it will call out and reveal sin and then make unbelievers or religious folks without the gospel see their righteousness as not righteousness at all and as disrespect before God. The spirit-filled life. And I'm not talking about, you know, being some obnoxious track carrying bullhorn yelling Jesus shirt wearing believer, even though that's okay. But I am talking about just being a believer who goes about their everyday lives glorifying God will make the world question them. Because they're questioning their own stuff. Understand, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit bears witness to Jesus and his glory and his, and, his, and his wonder. And so if the Spirit lives in you and you're living a life and loving Jesus, you ain't bothering nobody. You're just living your life and loving Jesus, that there is a spiritual radiation from your life that offends other people. You don't even have to say much, even though some of us should say more. You're going to be hated. hated. you make a world question you. The, so believers live in a world that, at its essence, is diametrically opposed to the gospel and to the Lord. Other day, we're in a restaurant. A homeless guy comes in a restaurant, and I see him coming from the street. Man, I just paid my money. Just want to have a good meal with my family. Just want to enjoy my chicken. Peruvian chicken. It was good, too. And I see this guy coming in. I'm like, oh, Lord, why? I know he's going to ask me for money. And I happen to have some cash, so I can't say I ain't got no cash. You got PayPal? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't do that. Watch it. It's going to start to be them little sliding card things. They're going to have the, you know, paper sign and then the sliding card thing. I don't have no cash. Don't worry, friend. I got PayPal. And he comes in and the whole place stinks. Kelly's like, ooh, my Lord. And I'm just upset that the management even catered to this guy because I came to eat and pay my money. This is my world, you know? And he can't flaunt his sufferings way of failing around me. And then it made me feel guilty to not being more loving. I just wanted to eat my chicken without guilt, without offending stench, and what I earned for myself. Jesus is saying believers will look and feel like the homeless, stink-smelling person that comes into the restaurant messing up the world's world. Where your failure, now hear this now, hear me carefully. Where your failure to live your life and free yourself of your sin and needing to rely on Jesus to save you and make you righteous, where your failure to make yourself clean and smell good before God and need a savior makes, the, makes a stench to the world that says, get yourself together. The gospel stinks like a homeless person, like, like someone who, who, who can't clean themselves up, who lives alone in Jesus's righteousness. And when you smell like a life failure, who re- trusts on a Savior who can, you can't even see, the world hates that about you. So you know what we do? We stop living like the gospel. We stop making people think we got it together. We stop we make the world think we're not that bad. We're just like you. But you aren't like them. Because you came to Jesus believers one day and admitted, "I am a sinner and I'm lost and I have nothing and no righteousness and no goodness and I stink before God and I need Jesus." You said that. And now you want to go back on it. You should Jesus understands. He is saying that this will be so severe for believers, for his disciples back then, that the Spirit has to come to keep you. You know why you're still a Christian, some of you? I'm not giving you no credit because you don't deserve it today. You're not still a Christian because you're strong. I believe my faith. You know, I, I got strong faith. I, I'll never go over to the world. I'll never give up Jesus. I'll never despise the Lord. I'll never, you know. No you know what Jesus says? You need the Spirit. He said it here. To keep you from falling away. You shouldn't be here. You shouldn't still be here. You should have walked from, away from the faith a long time ago. In this world, there is no human, there's no human ability to stay with a risen Lord you can't see and a Holy Spirit you can't see and a faith that relies on believing in God doing something in you. You should be gone by now. But this is a testimony of God. Why are you still here? Your marriages aren't necessarily any better than the world on paper. Your bank accounts aren't any better on, in the world on paper. Your happiness, happiness isn't any better than the world on paper. Your vacations aren't more grander than the world on paper. You should give up on this thing. Too much pressure. But you can't. Because the Spirit has been sent and will not give up. On the promises of God offered and given and bought for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a promise and you are in it. The struggle, the disappointments, the letdowns that come with being Jesus is a real. But the spirit is true. By the word, by the sacraments, by the fellowship of the saints, the church. The Spirit is using the gospel to keep you and me encouraged and believe the salvation and glory of God. Help is here. Help is here. Because he is here. The comforter is here.